0: My conversation today is with Bart Berkey. Bart is the founder and CEO of Most People Don't LLC, which is a motivational storytelling and sales training company dedicated to encouraging individuals to do what most people don't. He uses his experience as a former Ritz-Carlton executive to help enhance behaviors for individuals and organizations. He was recognized as one of the top 25 extraordinary minds in sales and marketing. He is also the best-selling author of Most People Don't and Why You Should, which, by the way, is in the top 1% of sales on Amazon, which is just crazy. Uh, and then last but certainly not least, his podcast, Most People Don't But You Do, has been recognized in the top 15% most shared podcasts globally. So, Bart, I am really stoked to be able to get the chance to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining me.
1: I'm thrilled to be able to chat with you. I really appreciate, Christina, what you are doing, uh, especially the uniqueness of your guests, and you're really trying to help people figure it out. So I'm really, really excited to be able to chat with you today.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that. So your shtick uh, a little bit is recognizing the things that most people don't do and really helping people to become the person who does. And so I'm really excited to talk about this a little bit as well. But before we do, I kind of want to dive in and understand the origin story of where most people don't started. So I'd love if you could share a little bit about that.
1: No, of course. I was a recruiter for Ritz-Carlton years and years ago, and I went to university uh, to do recruiting, essentially. It was one of my first trips, one of my first assignments, and I was disappointed by the lack of doing that i saw at this particular time period and i'll share just quickly with you there were four students that were only talking to themselves at a networking event and at a networking event we already talked about you network you spend time getting to know people especially if you're a senior looking for a job so i thought it was strange that these individuals were not networking so i went up and i introduced myself And I asked them if they had jobs. And they said, no, we're seniors, but we need jobs. I said, why aren't you spending time talking to these other great recruiters that are here? In addition to my company, there's other great companies. And they gave me two strange answers. We haven't seen each other for a while. Okay. And then the second answer was, we're here for the free food. That's not an answer that you should give a recruiter right, that we're at this networking reception for the free food. And I don't even think that they were trying to be funny. I think it was their real answer. I then thought, how can we change this behavior? Let's turn it into a game. If you'd like to accept this for students, go around and collect as many businesses, cards as you can. One hour, meet me, same corner of the ballroom. Whoever has the most, I'll buy you a gift card to your favorite restaurant. And they are seemingly excited. Yes, Bart, we'll do it. Yes, Mr. Berkey, sounds like a great plan. Hour passes by, all four said yes, and no one shows up. It gets even more interesting. The next morning, first interview that comes in for the 8 a.m. one-on-one interviews was a person that I met the night before that accepted the challenge. She hands me her resume. I look at her paper. I look at her. I said, we met last night. What happened? Why didn't you show up? And her response was, I didn't think you were serious. I share that because that person was not the right fit for me to hire, for my company to hire at the time, wasn't the right fit for a lot of organizations to hire. I left that trip thinking a couple of things. Most people don't follow up. They don't accept challenges. They don't do what they say they're going to do. And every year after that, when I would go back to recruit at different universities or just even sharing career advice, I started to share that story of what could be easy to remember and I actually have the, the article I just found it the other day that was written in this university school paper uh, many, many years ago when I came up with this acronym. Most people don't, but you should. Most people don't, but you do most people don't, but you can, or most people don't and why you should. So th- this, the the idea of three words, most people don't just really, really hit me because when you say it, it starts your mind thinking. I, I share my email address, bart at most people notcom And when I share that, if I'm buying something and I'm signing it for the reward program, they're like, Oh, I like that. I've never heard of mostpeopledon't.com. I was like, well, it's my website. And they might laugh and say, you know what? You're right. Most people don't do certain things. So I took that as a lesson that I could begin to share with other college students. Do what most people don't. Most people don't follow up. So if you want to be different, if you want to get the job, do. Take action. I then started recruiting for more senior level roles. And I'll share just quickly. I talked to 50 well-qualified candidates, and I waited a few days to see who would follow up, and only 10 people out of the 50 followed up via email. The numbers don't lie. 40, most out of 50, did not. They did nothing. But there was one person that followed up, and a few others followed up differently, handwritten note for follow-up to say thank you, a text to say thank you, a phone call to say thank you. And one person put together, here's the job description, here's my resume, here is the values and what I plan on doing to help fulfill this role for the next 30, 60, 90 days. Bound it in an office shop, sent it overnight. That's the person that got the job. And that person held that job for eight years until they were promoted again within the company. That's the benefit of doing. Doing what most people don't. She took the action. She took intention to action. She got the job. That's how it started, and then it just formulated from there. Uh, I ended up writing a book about it based on my blog stories, and individuals really started to. And thank you for <laughs> buying the book or getting the book. Of course, uh, but it's uh, it's a collection of right, of stories that when you do take action, when you do make the effort, when you do go above and beyond. Are going to be great benefits for others to make them feel a certain way, but then also for yourself. Most people don't show kindness. Most people don't express gratitude. Most people don't observe, anticipate, and over deliver. Most people don't talk to homeless individuals. Most people don't donate their time. Most people don't donate others at the jujitsu gym. Most people don't start a podcast. Most people don't connect and start it like there's so many things, and I'm not sharing this from a negative lens. I'm trying to build in that competitiveness, right? You see people going up a staircase that's piano keys, that looks pretty darn fun. There are some great benefits. What you when you do, let me show you, you're going to have fun, you're going to be more fulfilled. Imagine your soul is filled and you're thinking more purpose over pennies for the next job. Imagine you have started a group of co-workers that normally would be working out of their home offices that are now gathered together, and now the six of you text and spend time together on weekends. You share business ideas. And again, not meant to be negative, but when you take action, and when you do, Good things happen for others and for yourself.
0: Well, I'm, I'm curious quick too, because you gave an example of the the college students and you gave an example from when you were cr- recruiting for more higher level positions, which I would assume is an older generation typically. Do you notice or do you think that there is a different ratio of people who do to don't based wow. on the generation that you're in? Because I mean, you and I are in different generations, too. So I think you have a really good perspective on this.
1: What do you mean we're different generations? What are you saying?
0: If I had to guess, I think we're... Really?
1: You think I'm over 20? Wow. Uh, All right. (laughs) Fine. No, you know, I don't want to categorize it as being generational. I think it is how individuals are brought up. I just interviewed a 15-year-old high school sophomore as part of a greater organization who was a contestant winner for writing an essay because she comes from a family of migrant farm workers and she wanted to I wanted to interview her because I wanted to understand the reason why she wrote this essay and the power behind it and the the story kind of went along the lines of the hands the children behind the food that we eat and this was I interviewed her, I didn't release it yet, the day before Thanksgiving, and I said, as people are sitting down, what are you thankful for? And she said, I'm thankful that despite growing up, she was working in the field since she was seven years old. She said in her essay, her resume would show that she has 10 years experience, but no one would guess it because she's only 15 years old. So I'm not working out the numbers right, but let's say she started when she was five. And she's grateful when she sits down to Thanksgiving that she had the opportunity of, despite it was back-breaking work, working with her family in the fields, picking apples, pulling grapes and strawberries. She's grateful that she was able to spend time with her family because a lot of people don't even sit down to dinner together. That's what she was grateful for. And then I asked her a second question, Christina. What do you want other people to think about? as they sit down for their Thanksgiving meal. She said, I want people to think about the children and the hands behind the food that we eat. That this apple that is part of your apple pie or this pumpkin could have been picked by a six-year-old or a five-year-old. It just didn't miraculously appear at a Whole Foods or Wegmans or whatever. There There was a hand behind picking that. And for that reason, we should be grateful that we can go to a grocery store and we can buy an apple off the shelf. We don't have to stand on a wobbly ladder in 99 degree weather, hoping we don't fall and reaching it to try to pick it. I think a lot of people grew up at different generations, not spending time with their family. Both parents maybe needed to work because they needed two incomes to be able to afford living in New Jersey or wherever the case is, I think that it, I think things changed. I think things changed where family was spending less time with each other and probably had less time to instill certain values. That's, that's my perception of why certain people do and certain people don't, right? I I just had a conversation with, I'll say a family member. I I can say this, I guess, um, with my daughter who applied for an internal promotion just yesterday and I said how did it go she's just like I think pretty well but you know kind of hard to read okay great what are you doing for follow-up well I'm gonna send an email okay guess what and she's heard this story before Christina takes nine keystrokes in 1.7 seconds in the subject line to type out thank you anyone can do that. Do you have their home address? No, I don't have their home address. Well, could you get their home address? I really, no, I don't think I would ask HR for their home address. Could you ask them, what is your best mailing address? Not asking for your home address. I would, What is your best mailing address? And there was honestly, there was some kickback to that. There was some resistance. I don't know if I would feel right asking them if I could find out what their best address is then I could probably do it. And then I could also, if I mail them a note, it might get there after they make the decision. Now, I believe she understood what my message was. You know, this is what we talk about. This is what our family does. Can you do? And I believe, and I haven't talked to her yet today, but I believe she will do, right? Because it's the kind and courteous and appropriate thing to do and to differentiate yourself. What if there were 10 other people and I just walked you through the story, nine of them sent handwritten cards and one didn't, that's going to go into a bucket. These are the people that do, right? So I don't know if it's generational. And just as I say that, maybe it makes me look like I'm not a great parent. I think it's part generational. And I think it's also part parenting, part how you grew up, part value system, and part culture for the organization. I mean, there's so many different things, right? And I could ask you the same thing, Christina. Most people don't start podcasts at 23. Good for you. And you are going to be a guest on my podcast and we're going to dig into you to understand what is the drive, what is the motivation, what is the the inspiration, what is encouraging you inside to take action to do when there's several billion other people that are 23 years old, Christina, that are not. Right? So that that's why I have a, a very popular position. I have a very popular God bless company where people need to hear these types of stories and people are just people. It doesn't it doesn't make them any better or any worse. They might have a different job. Being a celebrity is a job. Being a sports figure is a job. Notoriety is a job. Having an influence, being an influencer is a job. But doesn't mean that they are more interesting or more kind or more generous or more grateful than anyone that you could possibly meet. When I was in New York a couple of weeks ago, my Uber driver was just remarkable. He was in New York City driving. He would stay with his family, uh, his parents, four nights a week. But his wife and his four children, he moved them to outside of Hershey, Pennsylvania, near Harrisburg, PA, because he was able to get a home with some land and it was a better school district and it was a better experience. He's sacrificing his lifestyle in order to provide for his family. So we just had a great conversation and I was glad that there was traffic because I learned so much about this gentleman. I shared a little bit about my story and we left and it was just encouraging that things are not always easy, but we can thrive off of each other's stories. We can learn from each other's stories. I had just received an email for a massive speaking gig, one of the biggest that would have been in my career, right before I got into the car that I was down to the two two finalists, me and one other person. And the other person um, won out on this gig. So I was feeling sad for myself as I was in the Uber heading to the train station. But when I met this gentleman, it brought me back to thinking, my life is great. I just presented to 90 remarkable people. I stayed in a luxury hotel. I'm going to jump on a train and head back home to Northern Virginia with where my wife and my two dogs and my son is home. Like, my life is really, really good. So it just reminded me. And then it was further emphasized, Christina, as I get out of the Uber and I start heading down the stairs to get to the train station, there was a homeless gentleman. And I refer to people as ladies and gentlemen, just that's my Ritz-Carlton background. To me, that shows a lot of respect. There was a homeless gentleman and he had a sign and the sign said, I might as well be invisible. And at the bottom, he said, my name is Foo, F-O-O. I try to be observational. I try to engage safely and appropriately with whoever I can. Because I was staying in hotel, I had some extra cash in my pocket. So I gave him the extra cash. But I also travel with gratitude stones. And I gave him a gratitude stone. And I said, I just want you to have this. The, the the couple of dollars might help with a meal or a drink or a coffee, but I want you to have this gratitude stone. And actually I have, I just got a, a, a recent pack in my, right? these are my stones and I handed it to him and I said, this is for protection and this is for good luck. Things are good and things are going to get better for you. And very plainly, very clearly, he said, thank you. That means a lot to me. What's your name? I said, my name's Bart. And he said, my name's foo. It's written on the board here. My name's foo. And I said just I just want you to know that I see you. I see you, Mr. Foo, right? I see you and not that I'm I'm nothing special. but if all of us, now let me rephrase that I am special and so are you and so are your listeners. Yeah. So, right everyone is special. But if we can take the time to see people, to engage with people, and it doesn't need to be, it's not inappropriate engaging in conversation. It's polite and appropriate. I wouldn't want someone to um, you know, put themselves in harm's way by talking to someone that is distraught or someone, whatever the case is, but we should be able to see people, right? We should be able to see if someone is rushing at the grocery store to grab a cart and we're going down to the big corral where all the carts are. Couldn't I pull out a second one? Because I see people, and I see someone behind me that probably needs a cart because they're heading this. Like, are you kidding? Like, how easy is it for us to do these types of things? And uh, and again, it's I guess my point in saying is that we need to be able to see people, and we should engage with people to learn more from them. Everyone has a story. Everyone is going through things. But there's a lot of inspiration out there too. We can feed off of each other. We can learn from each other. And it doesn't need to be from a major influencer on TikTok that is driving a Lamborghini. It doesn't need to be a celebrity, but it could be. It doesn't need to be a sports, uh, professional sport, whatever. But it could be. But it also could be the person holding the sign that's homeless, that said, I might as well be invisible.
0: Yeah, that's, that's powerful. And one thing too, that's kind of crazy to think about is that person had took the action to put it on that sign, but think about how many people feel that same exact way. People who aren't homeless, people who we see every single day, people who we think are fine, that probably don't feel invisible. We don't think that they do yet they probably do and we just make the assumption that you know that that's not the case or we yeah. maybe don't even make that assumption but we just live our life without having that that thought of you know let me do any of the things that you any yeah. of those actually really practical examples that you just gave yeah well good
1: well thanks and Christina, let's let's try to see if we can solve this here i wrote a story recently and maybe it was part of the my newsletter or on linkedin But it was called Alone Together. So anytime I travel, whether it's airplane, train, car, it doesn't matter. I'm seeing new people in a different environment and I'm learning things. The story that I wrote entitled Alone Together was the propensity of individuals that I noticed in New York at coffee shops to go there with headphones on, not dissimilar to yours, and work. I took a photo, there were three or four, let's say mid 20 year old individuals that were all working, computers, all on computers and or phones with headphones in. And they weren't looking up at all, but they wanted to be near somebody, right? Instead of being in their apartment, they were at least alone together. With other people but it was just so interesting that i took a photo of it three four five people all headphones noise canceling headphones doing work very conference calls whatever else but they felt compelled to want to be with individuals yet still alone which is an interesting thought when we were traveling in europe my son had finished school there we met one gentleman on uh, subway and we asked him do you like living in Prague? And he said, Yeah, I used to live outside of Prague. It was too quiet. He said, I like living in Prague because I like the traffic. I like the busyness. The traffic makes me not feel alone. Uh, and I'm sharing this because I want people that are listening to, to your show to know that they're not alone. Right? We're not alone. You might not be living with somebody. But you are not alone. You have resources. I interviewed someone recently. He has 1.5 million followers or something on TikTok. He does uh, sales training. He gives out his mobile phone. He's just like, I don't need you to sign up for my class. I I just, if I can help you, call me. This is myself. And sure enough, I called him. That's how I got him on my podcast, right? Uh, So just know that you are not alone, right? You are not alone uh i just think that that's an important aspect how do you think christina right back at you how do you think we can make people feel less alone
0: i think recognizing that it's a problem are you talking about from like a government perspective and like a business perspective or like an individual well, perspective
1: in individual and this is why and i'm glad that you brought this topic up I saw a social media post a few hours ago, and I don't save a lot of social media posts, but I hit save, right? Save it or share it or whatever I I did. right? (laughs) Um, But this gentleman was talking about how years ago, when I was growing up, uh, when my parents were growing up, maybe when your mother was growing up, that we had kind of three different buckets. We would go to work, we would come home, that's two, and we would have hobbies or activities or social gatherings, volleyball leagues, bowling leagues, go and play darts, go and meet people. Like we had those three separate kind of buckets. And this gentleman's message was right now we maybe have two if we're lucky, but sometimes if people are working solo, from New York City, from Los Angeles, from an efficiency apartment, they're working from home, they're living from home, they might just have one. So where is the exposure to socialization, to community, to meeting people, to sharing ideas, to growing? And maybe their only way of learning and growing and communicating might just be through this. And I have to tell you, you know, there's a lot of studies done, Christina, I'm sure you're familiar with it, about the suicide rates and the levels of depression that started when the internet started taking off. And the more prevalence of social media, the greater the likelihood of depression. And and I just had a conversation with a friend the other day, and I said this, I said, you know what, I'm, I'm established in my career, I feel like I'm I know myself pretty well. I'm learning more about myself, but I look at certain social media posts, uh, and it makes me sad. Like I look at LinkedIn, and I know LinkedIn is a great resource for a lot of different times. But if I'm not in the right mood or the right mindset, and I'm seeing other people do other things, and I'm just so I'm so proud to announce that I just became promoted to senior vice president of this. And I'm so proud I just got to present to 2,500 people. And I'm thrilled to announce that I established a partnership with, like, and I just wrote my 19th book, right? And not, these people are not intending to brag, but a lot of it, it makes you feel bad. Like, oh my gosh, I should have been speaking to that group of 2,500. I, I should have been writing my 19th book. I should have partnered with these people. And it's making me feel bad. How do you think it happens To make someone that is 14 15 16 17 maybe they're not in the perfect family environment maybe they don't have the best self-image of themselves and they're seeing posts of i just went on vacation to bali with my 19 girlfriends and i keep on using the number 19 but right there's there's definitely challenges out there and i think the more that people talk about them As you said, you're aware of them, talk about it. And then you try to come up with solutions. You try to figure it out. You try to make people feel better about themselves. And you know, my role now as a motivational storyteller and a podcast host and a keynote speaker and a TEDx talk speaker, you know, my goal is to be able to try to make people feel better about themselves. And it's not just for 45 minutes, but it's When I share stories, I want them to remember the continuation of the story. So it'll continue to make them feel good. Mm -hmm. And I I have a few examples, but I want to be quiet and let you speak.
0: So, one, to address your question from an individual perspective of something that individuals can do for themselves that ultimately helps is in finding some community. Because I I think about what helps me. I think the two Mm -hmm. places that I feel the most community are the gym in the morning, and then I do jujitsu as well. Um, So the jujitsu community, and I don't think the gym in the morning for me would be a social thing if I didn't go up and introduce myself to people. Now I like, for example, today, and and sometimes that's not always a great thing because I end up talking more than I actually end up working out. But I found that if you just take the two seconds to appreciate someone, it's one of the easiest ways to connect with people, um, whether that's a a compliment or however you need to do to start the conversation, it's so easy to, I mean, I shouldn't say it's easy, but it's a lot easier to maintain the relationship once you just go up and say something, introduce yourself to someone. And I found a lot of community within that. And then community through the hobby, which I know you were saying is like the third bucket. So as far as any like practical advice that I would give people who are looking to, to not be alone is find some community, ideally in a place of, Of something that you already enjoy um, or something new because a lot of things we actually will enjoy but we don't know it until we try it so i guess that from a perspective of when we're looking for how can we not feel alone i don't necessarily know how to solve like the world's crisis problem but i think if everybody does that we'll get closer
1: yes Um, and christina and i can re-emphasize what you just said about complimenting somebody it's easy to say and this happened when we were in New York, my son's film festival. How do you like your on cloud shoes? They're cool.
0: I said that exact thing to somebody in the gym one time in, in the lock, in the women's locker room. And we became friends. That's so yeah. weird that you gave right? that example. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And this happened to be a, a student, a young lady that was an NYU student. And she wanted to feel alone together. She had a past that she would get uh, through the theater, right? You get invited to so many things. And so she went to this film festival where my son had a film because she wanted to feel alone together. She was sitting next to my wife and I, and the way that we started the conversation and I don't ever want to appear to be like right, this middle-aged stalkerish guy, right? With a gray beard. Um, so, Usually it's better if my wife compliments people because I can sometimes intimidate people. Um, but it was, you know, she was sitting next to us and she was by herself and it was simply that, how do you like your own clouds? Right? So, it, so complimenting somebody would be a takeaway for your listeners. Put yourself in a situations that maybe are not always comfortable, but then try complimenting someone at the gym at the coffee shop, right? Oh, what are you listening to? Oh, I love that book, right? And anything along those lines. And in fact, when I was presenting to a group recently, I said, you know, what are you supposed to do at a networking event? Christina, what's the answer?
0: Talk to people.
1: Yeah. Ask yeah. questions.
0: Ask questions. Or
1: well, no, yeah. No. And ju- all of those things, right? Network is probably the operative word, right? Meet people, talk to people, ask all those great things. And I said, And I told people, I said, yeah, I'm on stage in front of 2,000 people, but I'm an introvert, right? I did not want to come to your opening uh, reception because I knew the meeting planner and the executive director that hired me. I did not want to come but I put myself into an uncomfortable situation because I wanted to learn more about your group. I wanted to learn more about you as individuals. I had an excuse, right? I'm the keynote speaker for tomorrow morning. I I don't know many people here, but can I join your conversation? And then I'm also encouraging people because not everyone at this conference knew each other. And I said, if ever you're in a situation Individuals here in this one conference were sitting at tables, so we did some workshop exercise. This wasn't for the large, large group. And I said, do me a favor, just pull open your phone and show me the image on your home screen, okay? Again, I know we're not showing a video with all of this, but mine is of a 50-pound Staffordshire Bull Terrier, my dog named Jackson. If I show you this, Christina, would it start spurring <laughs> on any type of conversation at all?
0: Yeah, probably a lot of curiosity. I would be curious to, to know more. And, and I mean, I know, I think in your TED Talk, you talk a little bit about uh, how a lot of times your home screen is a good explanation for what your why is or a good yeah. indicator of that.
1: Yes, and there's a reason why you uploaded and saved this one image, I saved this one image, It's not of my second dog. It's not of my kids or my wife, which is probably not uh, respectful to them. But there's a story behind this guy. He looks cool. Is he friendly? Does he like other dogs? How does he get along with kids? Why did you choose that type? There's so many conversations. That's not being alone. That's finding the commonality. It's almost like instead of wearing a name badge, my name is Bart. Yours is Christina you know, here's something about me, you can always lead with this. Hey, look, I don't know anyone at this reception. Um, Do you mind if I join your conversations? My name's Bart. I'm going to be the keynote speaker for tomorrow. How do you think people are going to react to that?
0: I think positively.
1: They do with open arms. Yeah. Yeah. Join us. Please come on in. Join us in our conversation. Mm -hmm. You don't need to be sitting at a table where there's only four people that you have known your entire work career that you work with and it's more comfortable to sit next to three other people that you know, go out and network, learn from other people. So I think some really good takeaways, right? Compliment people, lead with your home screen. Don't be afraid to put yourself in uncomfortable situations. Think about those different buckets. You have a work bucket, you have a home bucket. What is your other bucket? What's your other pillar that's gonna help solidify you and lift you up to allow you to live life to the fullest.
0: And I think one thing that's important to remember in all of this is, is that everybody is craving connection the same. So I think a lot of times people get in this mindset of like, Oh, I feel uncomfortable, but everybody else is comfortable when in reality, Everybody thinks that because that's just how we were designed as humans. We're designed to crave that connection. We're designed to like so many things that we think are just tendencies of ourselves are probably tendencies that are very relatable to other people. So chances are something that you think is, is, you know, really difficult and, and it might be difficult for you in that moment, but it's things that everybody's facing so whether that's, you know, introducing yourself and putting yourself in an uncomfortable situation or doing any things that they were talking about, I think understanding that everybody is craving that connection. And everybody else is probably feeling similar to you. And if they're not, it's because they practiced getting uncomfortable. It's because they practice doing those things, but that's the only difference. And so the only way for you to get into that, to be that person who maybe doesn't feel that, which again, I think everybody has to some extent is mm-hmm. to do it. And that hopefully will at least create some comfort in the uncomfortable when you choose to do those situations
1: too i I agree with you total and it kind of gets back to the name of my company most people don't the name of the podcast is most people don't but you do and it's moving from intention to action and what i'm realizing is a very strong element of that it is what are the benefits christina what are the benefits of taking action what are the benefits of introducing myself what are the benefits of putting myself into an uncomfortable situation and we just kind of discussed how you can do it and we discussed how other people are probably feeling but i think it's also really important for people to understand the benefits so ask me what do i think are the benefits
0: what do you think are the benefits
1: <laughs> and then i'm going to ask you uh I, the benefits It's There are benefits to learning about others because you can see what motivates them, what inspires them, what drives them, what brings them fulfillment. And you can incorporate some of those things into your own life, or you can appreciate it and bring it into your own life. You don't need to do it, but you can certainly appreciate it just having that one conversation with the gentleman that moved his family to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And he actually showed me a picture when we were stopped of the view from his front porch. It was stunning. They have like three or four acres and he's looking at cows. Now I don't want to live, move, you know, to Harrisburg. I don't want to live on a farm. I'd like to have a porch, but it made me happy for him that he and his family are now looking at cows. When he's not in New York City four days during the week, he can look at cows and he can breathe easy. That that exposure was something that I never really thought about nor appreciated. And I didn't have to live that life of driving a cab four days a week, moving my family to Harrisburg to get that little slice of enjoyment that he was sharing with me by showing Check out this picture. This is the view of the cows from the front porch. Right, So I think it adds to your ability for enjoyment if you're wired that way. right? If you can appreciate what someone else enjoys and see goodness and kindness and fulfillment and somehow incorporate into your own life. What do you think about that?
0: Some of it also goes back to our, the conversation that we were having before about the things that you can learn that you didn't even think that you could learn. And I think, I think what's interesting is I can tell, and I'll even broaden the scope to like, what are the benefits of getting outside your comfort zone? For example, like I can tell you exactly what your life's going to look like. If you go to work every day, come home, sit on your phone, go to the gym, sleep and repeat. And if you don't ever get out of your comfort zone, I can tell you exactly, well, I can't tell you exactly how your life's going to be, but I can, I can get a pretty good idea of at least what my life would be if, if I lived that way. And I think there's so much that we don't experience. There's so much untapped potential, so much untapped happiness and fulfillment that we get only from getting out of our comfort zone, only from having those conversations with people. I don't want to call it a problem, but our bodies and our brains are designed and wired to seek safety. They're desired to seek comfort. So as much as yes, that's keeping us safe. We live in a world now where we're really not prone. At least I shouldn't say we live in a world, but we, I know you and I, I can at least speak to live in a society and we are in a really great position to where we don't have things on the daily that are trying to kill Kill us us. yes we don't have the things that we really should our body should be going into the fight or flight response for for example and so i think going back to the getting out of a comfort zone thing there's so much more life to be able to experience but that you can only experience when you are out of your comfort zone yeah and when you do talk to people as well like things that you would never even learn
1: Yes. And as, as you're saying that I'm thinking about a statement that I, that I share, it's easy to be, but it's better to become. And often if I'm presenting in front of large groups, I will start off with that slide and I'll, I'll say it slowly. It's easy to be, but it's better to become. The stories that I share that go along with that statement, that if I'm unmotivated I don't need to do anything tomorrow to not be motivated, right? If I want to remain unmotivated tomorrow, I do nothing. If I'm not unknowledgeable, if I am unfit today, tomorrow, I can do nothing and I can remain unfit. I often like to start with that slide to say, if you agree with this statement, this is going to be one of the best most valuable presentations and takeaways that you've ever had your entire life. But if this doesn't mean anything to you, you, go out into the lobby and look at your phone. And I'm not that quite that direct, but there's there are people that want to do better. There are people that want to learn. There are people that are not fulfilled that want to do more. But there are also people and I don't know if this is an honest statement or not, but there might be people, just because you and I aren't wired that way, doesn't mean that there is someone that is very happy working all day by themselves and not introducing themselves to anyway, to anyone, uh, you know, that certain people might be wired to not want to do that. But I think the people that you and I are trying to influence in effect are the people that want to get better, but maybe are afraid or don't know how to do it are hesitant or not confident enough to be able to do it. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. Well, I think too, I think there are people, I don't necessarily think that it's people who aren't wired to want that. I think it's people who don't know that they're wired to want that. And I think sometimes some of those people might just not even recognize that they want to, for example, become Mm -hmm. because I, I guess I don't know what the core root cause of that is. If it's, uh, we could get we could dive into the root cause of where that would come from. But I'll just say that I think that there are people who don't think that they want it, but I don't think that nobody wants it. That's kind of a the theory that I'm just throwing out that I'd like, just no, thinking all, now. I don't know if it's true or yeah, not. But
1: it's I mean, this is all good. It's a conversation, right? So I, there's a study that that I shared that took place in Europe. They watched 27,000 people make a choice between stairs versus escalator. And only 1% of the people chose to go up the stairs. When interviewed, the people that did take the stairs when asked why, they said, I either had a health scare or someone in my immediate family had a health scare. And I knew it was better for me, for cardiovascular, for strength training, for blood flow. I was there anyway. I might as well get my heart rate up compared to the people that took the escalator Most of the people said, the 99%, most of those people said it was easier and I felt lazy, okay? The study goes on, they changed the staircase from regular stairs into a piano staircase. So every step would have a different note. That increased people's interest, propensity to take the stairs now that looked like a piano staircase and sounded like a piano to 66%. And if you think about what changed, it was still the same number of stairs. It was still work. It was still effort. But it was fun. It was interesting. It was immediate. And other people were doing it. So that was able to change the behavior. right? And that goes back to the benefits. Why did people now take the stairs that looked like a piano and sounded like a piano? Because it was fun. Is that enough of a benefit for people to want to get out, that want to get better, that want to meet new people, that want to be more fulfilled, that want to listen to podcasts to learn, like all of those reasons can be related to fun. So if we are identifying that, you know, it's not always easy. Think about, right, uh, I can lose weight quickly by taking this one pill versus going to the gym and walking and exercising. Well, I want what's easy. Maybe sometimes we're wired for easy. But if we put in the work, we can make sure that the benefits are certainly there. The other point that I wanted to share was when, when individuals were talking about, I had a health scare, someone in my immediate family had a health scare. That was another reason without being it, it being fun, because this wasn't when they were, staircases were piano keys, but they had a reason, right? They had a reason, a health scare or someone in their family had health scare. And when I present, I often share an image of me recovering from nose surgery when I had a massive heart attack. And the, the, the message is don't wait, right? Don't wait to do the things that you want to do. Don't wait to do the things that you know that you should do in your heart. Don't wait to be fulfilled. Don't wait to say yes to another opportunity. Don't wait to introduce yourself to someone new because you don't know when your computer is going to crash. You don't know when things are going to change. So don't wait. And when we share those stories, it usually moves people to begin to think about if I want to change my behavior, yes, there's great benefits, but what is the why behind taking action and changing behavior? And then there's another statement out there that if the... uh, if the why is important enough, the how becomes easy. And that's quoted from someone famous. I just can't remember who it was right now. But anyway, a lot of different areas of thinking how we can go from intention, I know I should do this. I know I want to do this to taking action. And when you do take action, what are the benefits and the benefits are amazing.
0: Yeah, I'd be curious if they did another portion of that study with putting out a sign for example of either the hell did they do that
1: they did i oh. yeah i didn't have time to share that um okay. yeah and it was as a reminder right right before you have to make a choice stairs versus escalator here's a reminder um taking the stairs saves energy saves electricity uh taking the stairs sometimes is quicker Wait,
0: it does but the escalator runs regardless um because of the weight it,
1: not all escalators run continuously you know that oh. some are motion censored now. Yeah. <laughs> I oh, didn't yeah. Know For, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, oh, like,
0: okay.
1: Uh, different, and I'm trying to think of what city, but yeah, often that they are stationary until they're motion motion censored, oh, meaning yeah. it's it triggered by someone passing through. So, anyway, their whole point was taking stairs saves energy. Um, (laughs) taking the stairs, right. Increases blood flow helps all those things, you know, burns X number of calories, all of those things. Yeah. And it only helped people change their behavior from 1% to 3%.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. Cause I mean, cause obviously it's gonna be a lot more powerful when you have either a close family member or somebody, you know, have that health care. But, yeah, i was I was curious about if the information would be enough or not, But yeah. it sounds like nothing compared to the fun factor or the personal factor. Yeah, it's interesting..
1: Mm-hmm. And I know that was a really long answer to your question, but does that answer the question?
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's great. I'd love I haven't looked into any studies on this, but it'd be really interesting to pick apart from a research standpoint of there's probably a lot of factors. A lot of it might be, you know, environmental, a lot of it might be the, whether it's your childhood or the parents or the family that you have, or I'd love to see more research on picking apart because if there's an underlying theme or, or underlying themes, if there's a variable that if we can figure out exactly what that looks like and model it in, in, in a very practical way, which is essentially a lot of what you're doing to parents, to individuals, because the fact of it is, is even though most people don't Everybody wants to, I shouldn't say everybody, most people also want to, they just don't. And so if the people who want to, but don't, can figure out what that underlying theme is to take action, to get closer to taking action.
1: Yes, so so great. And I just had a conversation last night with a hotel company in Vegas, brilliant, brilliant people. And we were talking about things that their team wants to be able to do. They wanna be able to spend more time with customers. They want to be able to have a greater balance. They want to be able to on weekends not think about work. All of those things are up to us here, right? Mind and heart. It's up to us. And uh, I have solutions that we're going to talk through. And we're going to we're going to essentially work out the the elements of how can we take action. What is preventing us? I call doing distractors. And based on my research, there's three main things. It's lack of focus, lack of prioritization, and lack of accountability. Okay. So I could walk your listeners and I could walk you through some time, right? The tools that I have learned, time boxing is one example to be able to book not just your lunch appointments and your doctor appointments and dentist appointments, but okay, you have a blog time call right now. I need to work on sending out some invoices. It's blocked on my phone, on my calendar from two to three, right? I need to do proactive research. It's from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m., right? I put things on my calendar, time boxing. That is a way to hold myself accountable. And then there's other ways and other technological ways to remind us. But, you know, there are tools that are out there like what I share, certainly books and appropriations and research the same thing, you can read a book, but until it is easy enough to remember and easy enough to do, I still might not do it. And that's where I believe the value of most people don't. Those three words are trademarked. As they should be. No, thank you. No one can use most people don't in any training or motivation or anything or they're gonna have to pay me a quarter. But you know, it's a simple way to remind us to take action. And then you think of the stories, some that we just shared, others are, of course, off the website and other guests that I've interviewed. You can really understand all of the people, the 120 people that I have interviewed on my podcast. And thank you for allowing me to be a guest on yours. The commonality is that they executed, they didn't just have an idea, they made it happen. They did. And uh, again, not that being the president of XYZ or the founder of ABC means that they're successful, but they are successful because they do what they love to do, and they've been able to achieve levels that they wanted to achieve. So it doesn't feel like work. It feels like their vacation, their vocation is their vacation. And it's all because they put forth the effort in the right direction. That's what's cool about doing what most people don't.
0: Yeah. Well, and you can talk about most people don't from an achievement standpoint of there's a lot of things out there that we want to do and work, but also most people don't get connected with their family and they're like, have those conversations. Like you could give the exa- a bunch of examples from a more personal level as well. One thing I noticed that you didn't say was a lack of knowledge in those three things that you shared, mm-hmm. which I think a lot of times we think that we- at least for me like i think oh if i just know more i'll be able to have what i need the tools i need to be able to accomplish what i need to accomplish and that's almost never that's never the case it's the, it's the execution and the the focus and the the examples that you gave and so that's why i think using some of those tools that you share are going to be more helpful than just getting more knowledge about whatever it is and in a lot of cases sometimes more knowledge is actually backtracking because of you overanalyze and then you realize how complicated some things are that, or you make things more complicated than they need to be. Um, But that being said, I would love if you could share a challenge for the guests. So at the end of each of my episodes, I have the guests create a challenge for the listeners to, to do. So it could be one of, one of your practical tools like you just shared, but
1: yes. Yeah, no. Great. Uh, And this ties in kind of what your statement just was, Christina, that often we might think that we need more knowledge in order to be able to do. So I ask often my attendees, sometimes in a pre-survey or while we're meeting, list one thing that you know, so the knowledge part, that you know you should do, but have not yet had a chance to do from a personal perspective. I'm going to repeat that one personal should do that you know you should do, but you've not yet had a chance to do. And I want to clarify, Christina, it is not someone is telling you. It is in your own mind, something that you know you should do from a personal lens. So the challenge is write down one personal should do. I'll share with you quickly. One of mine is to become a better son for my mother. My mother is 88 years old. She lives by herself. She lives in Pittsburgh, four hours away from Northern Virginia. I keep track on how I am doing from a best perspective. So one, write down a personal should do. Um, I want to plan for retirement. I want to get certified on this. I want to learn a second language. I want to save up for a vacation. I want to focus on my fitness and well-being, right? Write one personal should do down. And then as I learned from Marshall Goldsmith and from other individuals, his perspective is, did you do your best toward getting your should do done? So my mother, as an example, if I did my best today to become a better son for my mother, I would give myself a one. If I did my best, I'm not saying I need to be perfect overnight, that I'm going to be the best son in the world. I'm also saying if I use fitness, I'm not saying that I need to lose 25 pounds tomorrow in order to do my best. I'm saying, did I do my best to become a better son for my mother? Did I do my best to focus in on fitness? If I did, I give myself a one. And I look at that every single day for 30 days. 30 days, right? If I'm focusing on fitness, um, yesterday I swam and I uh, exercised. Today I have not. Today's not over yet. So what can I do? I can put on my running shoes and I can go take the dogs for a walk. That is going to do my best. I don't have all the time in the world today, but if I take a walk, I'm going to do my best. And I fasted for 18 hours or whatever. I'm doing my best. So if you keep track of that, then you will begin to make progress. You'll begin to build a habit. And then there's other technological resources that will even remind you. Bart, are you doing your best to be a better son for your mother right and you can get reminders every single day so that would be the greatest challenge identify not 50 things one personal should do and then keep track of it for 30 days and you know what if that is too much just write down one personal should do today that will be doing your best to getting better and not being satisfied with just being
0: I love that challenge. I like that as one, because it goes back to your lack of prioritization being one of the reasons why we don't do the things. So thank you so much for sharing that. And I I know people can find you on your website, on LinkedIn. Where else would you prefer for people to find you? Make sure that they leave a review on your podcast. Pick up a book.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Podcast again is called most people don't, but you do. We're very blessed to be the top 15% most shared podcast in the world. Again, fortunate people like the message, they like what we're sharing and then they are sharing it. So please, that would be lovely. And then the website you can find very easily mostpeopledon't.com, no abbreviation in the don't. And there's links to plenty of things, resources. And my major goal, the greatest impact that I have is sharing messages live. So yes, I am a keynote speaker. I can speak in front of 4,000 people and I have, but then I also do different workshops based on what individuals will need. I don't want to promote myself, but this is what I do. And the more that people are selecting and hiring me to do this, I think the greater good, the greater the greater amount of my purpose is being fulfilled. So mostpeopledon't.com. My email is Bart at mostpeopledon't. And um, yeah, thrilled to be on your show, Christine, and cannot wait for you to be on mine. Thank you.